And we are back. I am Eric. He is Paul. We are the Fat Packs, and this is Beckett Radio. What's up, Paul? Sa, dude. Sa, man. How you doing? Doing okay, man. You doing all right? You're doing all right, I'm man. Happy to see you in the office today. Yeah, man. Can't complain. Yeah. I'm, uh, Everything going good? Everything you you, you you knocking out that football pricing and uh, well, you know we try, yeah. <laughs> we try. You know, even, there's no like there's no off season anymore. There, you know, uh, I don't, I forget who it was we were talking to at the industry summit, but they they said football's a, a 365 you know day day year product now. It, it really is. I mean, yeah. we you know we'll get into the new products and pricings, but we just had a 2016 product come out sure. on the same day that a 2017 product right. came out. It's, so. It's it's crazy, man. It is a full time job pricing football. It's also a full time co- job grading cards, which we would love to, for you to apply to yeah. come and grade cards for yes. us. Um, if you were within an hour of Dallas, yeah. please come. <laughs> we come. have uh, we have posted a very important grading update. Uh, it's it's on our website. It's on I I posted it. I retweeted it on uh, on uh, Beckett Radio uh, on Twitter. It's on uh, it's it's a few different places. I, I encourage you to go look at it. It's from the grading director Jeremy Murray, who uh, you know you you heard him here last week on, on the show, but or the week before last on the show. But he he just breaks it down for you and, and explains to you in great detail uh, the changes that are taking place and why. So before you get all mad and upset and uh, you don't you don't understand, at least try to educate yourself uh, because we've tried to educate you. So go check it out, and then after you read it and, and you you've tried to rationalize it. Read it again before you make another comment <laughs> because no, the reasoning is there. I think the most important thing that you're talking about is go to the Beckett forums, go to a Beckett website to yeah. read it. Don't read what you read in some of these other forums, sure. you know, Facebook forums or other um, sports industry forums, because a lot of the information that they're posting out is just not correct. Right. You know, so go get, make sure you just get the facts. Go check out the Beckett website, click under grading, you know, find the information out for yourself. Yeah, that's go do that because uh, then then come talk to us, uh, educated and um, informed, and then we can have a, a, a civil conversation before you know, just the, the the backlash starts. There you go. <laughs> so go do that. Um, Jeremy does a real good job of breaking it down, and he explains uh, some of the pitfalls and uh, and how we're gonna how he plans to correct them. So absolutely, go do that. All right, let's get into new product and pricing. Uh, we've we've been off for a week because we were waiting on our equipment to get here. So has there been a lot of new products in the week and a half that we haven't had a show? Well, I've got really just about four things. Okay. You know, I think when National Treasures football came out, I think a lot of people start away from uh, putting stuff out. Um, but we've got a few new things out uh, this week. A um, couple, big, couple big things came out this week. So we're going to start with your favorite, Upper Deck Ice Hockey um, came out. Is it my favorite? I don't know if it's it's fair to say it's my favorite. It's, it's a fun product, man. It's, okay. Uh, it's... High high risk high reward for a mid in uh, mid in product. Okay. Cause, but if you get one of those ice rookies that are, are th- that are the low numbered ones, you're, you're sitting pretty. You're in good shape. Okay. Good. Fantastic. All right. So we also have Leaf Ultimate Football drops on Friday. Shout okay. out to Brian Gray. Proud to Brian Gray. That's going to run about ninety dollars a box. All right. The cool thing about that is there's two hundred numbered cases. Oh, that's it. So once it's gone, it's gone. Sweet. So jump on that early. Um, 2017 Panini Contenders draft picks came out. Uh, football, football. Okay, all right. You, you seen any of that? I haven't. Well, right on the heels of Elite, though, right? So very nice looking cards. Okay, very nice looking cards. They're going to run you about one ten a box or so. All right. Um, five autos. Yeah, beautiful okay. cards. And then, what everybody's been saving their money for? 2016 Panini Flawless Football. 
flawless football. Uh, I've seen. I've uh, obviously I can't afford this, <laughs> but uh, for only fifteen hundred dollars a box, twenty nine hundred dollars a case, two box case. Well, good luck. Yep. <laughs> Vegas wasn't that good to us. Yeah, Vegas wasn't that good to us. Um, uh, but the cards are beautiful, man. Like, I, I saw a couple come out. They had uh, one case or one box that I saw started out with a Kurt Warner, went to a Bo Jackson, and then went to a Brian Bosworth, all autos. So that was kind of cool. I would love a Bo Jackson and Brian Bosworth. Auto. Yeah, so that was kind of cool to see some of those guys come out or whatever. But obviously, you're, you know, you're hunting down the Seahawks uniform on the Bosworth? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Very cool. Yes, indeed. I dig that. Yep. All right, man. I got some new pricing for you. Um, Brian Brian Fleischer has been working his little uh, managerial tail off. He has opening hops opening day in Donruss baseball done for you. Uh, I'm gonna pause here and say that a lot some people on the for, on the Beckett forums and uh, elsewhere have been asking for the the holiday mega box stuff to be priced. Yes, yes, yes. The snowflake cards. Yeah, I think they straight are straight from yeah. Brian's mouth. That is not a, a, a major release, so it's kind of on the back burner of things. Uh, he's been pricing other stuff, so he'll he'll get to it. He told me he'll get to it, and he told me to tell you that he'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> National Treasures Football, you uh, you cranked that out. Yep. Um, Gypsy Queen Baseball is done, and sixteen seventeen OPG Platinum Hockey is done. Uh, I want to say there, I put this out on the Beckett forums as well. If you have some verified, verifiable pricing on autographs, uh, please let me know. Be, um, these, these fall one per box, and I've, I've priced some of the autograph sets, but some of them I just can't price because there's just not enough information on them. The odds are you know so high on some of them. If you have that, please send it along to me, uh, Eric N at Beckett.com, and uh, you know send send me a verifiable uh, price, and I can I can take care of that that particular card for you uh, or cards if you have those as well good um, stuff yeah it's it's good stuff uh, we got another busy week rolling along we, i got the hockey magazine due next week and bscm uh is due next week so we're going to be pricing and checklisting and, and hot listing and all that other stuff this is all over the place right? all over the place yeah all over the place uh let's let's take care of some fantasy business because we have a loaded show uh coming up and we got we got to knock this fantasy stuff out before all the fun starts. So uh, let's start with the fantasy basketball. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do that, man. Let's right. do that. We kind of, kind of got mixed up in the going to Vegas yeah. and being a week off or whatever, but uh, still important stuff, man. So how how did it end up, man? Hey, you got it in front okay. of you. How did it end um, up? My, it looks like Mike Sommer of the Blown Out Corn Belters won the league last night. Nice. He won the league. Uh, beat the Christmas Gremlins. Close game, actually. Uh, Chris. Christmas Gremlins came in at forty fifty, so four thousand and fifty points. Okay, and the Corn Belters uh, came in forty two eighty two. So it was a, it was a close game. Yeah, it, for it, sure. It came down to the last day. I think what really helped uh, uh, Mike last night was he had James Harden going and he had a triple double last night. So oh, he just went nuts. Yeah. So that that uh, came down to the final game of the season, obviously, because that's how these things are designed. And uh, he uh, Mike's our winner. So he got a box of Panini aficionado basketball Woo-woo. courtesy of uh, those guys over at Panini. Yeah, Thank, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for that. And uh, Mike, we are also going to get you to do a drop for us here for our show. So uh, we'll, we'll arrange that with you. You call in um, maybe maybe a quick five, six minute interview maybe and then you can do a drop for us and you'll be for e- eternally famous. Speech, or, speech, <laughs> speech. You'll be eternally infamous probably on Beckett Radio and uh, have a drop with uh, that'll get played, you know, a couple times 
a month, maybe. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Some, something fun. Uh, Reheat Six won the consolation game. Uh, Steve Dalton in the office, and it really wasn't even close. Forty-one oh two to thirty-five hundred. Wow, six hundred points. Six hundred points. Uh, Steph, but the 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 highlights there were Steph Curry and Isaiah Thomas uh, on either of those respective teams. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't even seen this. Looking down here, Team Strobel. Beat us. <laughs> they beat us. They beat without us. Without starting a lineup. Yeah, without starting a lineup. Awesome. And then Boom Shakalaka beat Team Nashville uh, in the other bracket, the Constellation brackets. That's all fine and dandy. Uh, Santa Rosa Baby Chickens beat uh, KCT1 and Thunder Humper won as well over the Fighting Tacos. All right, that's that. Good, what a good season, man. Yeah, what a good season. It was fun. It was, um, it was a good season for everybody else. We, we stunk. We stunk it up. I don't, I'm going to have to reconsider my fantasy basketball options in the future. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this was supposed to be your gig, man. It, it was, and I just wasn't good at it. New or not, but it's okay. I wasn't good at it. All right, let's talk fantasy baseball now because that, that is in full swing. We are a week and a half into the season. Uh, you got your numbers in front of you, so go ahead and uh, talk about your league. I do. All right, so um, first week was a little crazy um, because I didn't really have too much time to keep up with it with being in Vegas and everything else that sure. was going on opening day. But somehow, some way, I'm going to go here real quick. We'll run through the scores here of my team, of uh, my league. And um, let's see. We'll just start it off. All right. So uh, the OG Fat Pack, which is me. Okay. All right. That's me. I actually won my game. Woohoo! Want to know. Uh, 485 to 468 over the Bio-Known Corn Belters. Oh, okay. So I actually uh, Mike won basketball, but I took him out in baseball. So there we go. So I'm up 1-0 there. Um, team Newman. I played against Brizzo Incorporated. Brizzo Incorporated took that one 525 to 454. Um, I mean, clearly when you have Paul uh, Goldschmidt scoring 51 points, that's gonna Ooh. that's gonna help you out a lot th yeah. throughout your week. Um, the Royal Champions uh, matched up against Team James, and the Royal Champions took that 469 to 362. Was not close at all. Um, and then we have Team Johnny G 711. All right, I don't know what all that means, but that's kind of cool. Against Team Brogan from West Virginia. And uh, Brogan, man, knows his baseball. Yeah. Yeah, man. He uh, 463 to 376. Uh, over there, he rode the uh, curtails of uh, Corey Seeger at 39 points. That was his top go. And uh, the Maryland Can of Corn and the Boston Trump 2020. There's some names for you. Okay. Uh, but Boston Trump 2020 decided not to show up. So <laughs> oh. the Maryland Can of Corn won 481 to 398. Hmm. Um, Maryland was basically led by, let's see, who? Oh, yeah, that's right. Brandon Belt had 58 points. Brandon Belt, yeah. uh, University of Texas alum. Yeah, man. Smashing. Taking it to it. So this week, though, so th that was last week. This week, I'm getting my tail kicked. Team James is beating me 207 to 149 right now. Um, there's a few other guys here. Will Myers it already has 44 points this week. Well, it helps when you hit for the cycle. It does. That does help. It does help because we have definitely bonuses, I yeah. think, for the cycle <laughs> and things like that. So that's definitely helping um, uh, the Royal Champions right now um, as they're they're beating their they're winning their game. And um, not too much. Else. We do have. Let's see. This is a, this is a close game right here. Team Brogan is at 180, and Boston Trump 2020 is at 175. Okay. So very close. It'll be interesting to see how that one uh, wraps up. All right. But anyway, that's how our weeks have started. How about you? Well, I got two leagues to go over here, so uh, we'll oh, that's make right. this you two. Uh, the first week, the um, cue the Drake scoreboard. Uh, 
Fort Worth Screamers, I took a loss to the Grand Rapids Chocolate Ninja. Uh, Grand <laughs> Rapids Chocolate Ninja. Nice. Uh, 550 to 509. Uh, Freddie Freeman for him was just mashing. Uh, I had Francisco Lindor that was mashing as well. Uh, Sparty Hawk Cash took a loss to Jimmy Mac 22, 551 to 528. Uh, the Fort Worth Yurkoffs, I like what you did there, Kinsley, uh, took a loss to DeGrom Nom Nom. 566 to 544, a close game. Um, let's see here. Dub mentality. What's up, Joey? Uh, Joey took a uh, took a took a win over the Orange Crush. Randy Keller. Uh, what's up, Randy? Uh, thanks for listening to the show, guys. I know you both do. 605 to 570. And high heat. Zach May took a loss to the big crab cake. Mr. Christopher Blair, a man after Paul's own heart with those crab cakes. I'll say, is he from Maryland? I. I I don't know. He might be. Actually. All right, we need to find that out. Yeah, we need to find uh, again. Brandon Belt was seventy points there, so um, yeah, that w- that was nice. Uh, let's catch you up on this week. See what's going on. Do 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 and do 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 do. I'm sorry. In a, I'm in a close one with uh with Randy. Two hundred one to one ninety five. He's he's got the slight edge over me. Kinsley is up over Marlin. Two eighty five to one seventy four. Grand Rapids Chocolate Ninja, a little bit of a revenge game here for me for my hitman, Zach May. 323 to 157. Thank you, Zach, for handling that business. Um, Jimmy Mack and Dub Mentality, Joey and James are in a close game, 239 to 235. And even closer, Christopher Blair and the Crab Cakes are up one point over DeGrom Nom Nom, Kevin, 25 225 to 224. Go Crab Cakes. Yeah, Go Crab Cakes. That's a fun name. All right, then let me let me click over here to uh, Team Norton. And this league is the um, – what did I call this one? Let me click on uh, – the Re- Beckett Radio Fat Packs Baseball uh, League. All right. Go back one week, catch up there. I am 1-0. and oh, I know that. Uh, smash Team Sergeant. Uh, beat Dalton Sergeant 411 to 264. That was uh, not even close. Uh, Oi in the outfield versus the <laughs> <laughs> Oi <laughs> versus the Jeff Hoyle, 340 to 227. Uh, Tracy, Tracy, what's up, Batcave? Uh, took a loss from Team Henderson, 325 to 314. Uh, Pastafarian Spaghetti Mon. <laughs> I like it. Nice. I like it. Uh, lost to. Uh, uh, this in the NC special case, John Webb beat him two eighty nine to two forty eight, and Texas money loan cards. What's up, Jeff? Crushed the oil cans three fifty three to two twenty nine. Just breaking them. Just breaking them. Here we go with this week. <laughs> this week, uh, Team Norton has taken a lost loss to the Pasta Far and Spaghetti Mon one thirty six to ninety three. Uh, Batcave is taking it from oil in the outfield one ninety three to one thirty five. Team Sergeant is laying it on Jeff, 148 to 85. Uh, Jeff Hoyle is up over John Webb, 151 to 84. And the oil cans are have, have the edge on Team Henderson, 129 to 93. Now we've got a few more days here left in the week for those scores to get updated, and we'll give you an update. Next week. That's a lot of fantasy baseball. That is a lot of fantasy baseball. Hopefully, you know, now, but now going into next week, we're all caught up and we can just give the weekly. There you go. Weekly Weekly updates. Yes, indeed. So uh, let's talk about the show because the biggest topic on the show is typically the show. Um, Hold on. Wait. I just, I just remembered one other thing. Uh Uh-oh. I got to 
give winners for the uh, tournament challenge. I didn't do that. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't do that. Okay. So the tournament challenge winner, um, a one-year subscription to the magazine of your choice, John Webb uh, won the tournament challenge uh, with a 98.7% towel rating. Wow. Beat the Dingo Dad, Trump, Ronan, Randy Keller, Aaron 700, Hal C, and Brooke Lopez is GOAT. They all had UNC, but John Webb was the winner there at 98.7%. Wow, that's impressive. So, uh, John, you are the winner of a one-year subscription to a magazine of your choice. Please email me directly, ericn at beckett.com, with your shipping information in the magazine so I can get that set up for you. Uh, we do also have the uh, the little... The little um, issue of the uh, the women's tournament, which I need to go and run a random for that. So oh, okay, uh, we will announce okay. that on Twitter here shortly, uh, a little later in the day. We'll we'll get that all settled up. Sweet. So uh, that's that. All right, let's lay out the show. Coming up first is uh, uh, Tony, uh, the Ichi- also AKA the Ichiro Vault. He's got a he's got a nice collection of Ichiro cards. He's a super collector, and this is going to kick off our Super Collector Month, where we're just going to each week we plan to have a super collector on uh, from some aspect of collecting. You know, sounds good to me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We want to see what you guys are doing. Uh, the Beckett magazine went away from the super collector for I don't I don't really know the reason why. Yeah, but uh, I I like it, so I'm yeah, going to bring it back. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to bring, bring it back. It back. Uh, then later in the show, we're going to have. Uh, Kevin Isaacson on. If you don't know that name, he's been very involved in the hobby for 30 years. Um, he, for more or less, is the founder of the Industry Summit. Um, he he works, f- he's, you know, at Beckett now and still running the Industry Summit in, in some shape or fashion. And, and I just wanted to get him on, get his thoughts on this year's Industry Summit, the Industry Summit as a, on a whole, mm-hmm. what it's meant to to the hobby. And then, man, he's he's um, he's got some great, Great stories and, and, and things, some nuggets to chew on. Oh, yeah, he does. So, for sure. <laughs> so we want to bring him on and just get his thoughts uh, about what's going on in the hobby. And then uh, finally, our, our new man here on the scene at Beckett, John Finkel, uh, Einhorn Finkel, Einhorn Finkel, is going to be joining us. He's going to come on and just talk a little bit about uh, his vision for Beckett and what he's going to be doing as a, pub- as a publisher now. And he's got a new book out. With him and Mean Joe Green, which is interesting. He's got a he's got a nice, interesting background. So um, I can't wait. That's gonna yeah, be it's exciting. Gonna, it's gonna be fun, man. Yeah. He's gonna break it down. It's a it's a new, exciting thing that that's coming to Beckett. So uh, yeah, I, I just think I, w- I want you to hear from his mouth, his his view and a direction that that he sees sees us going. Perfect. All Sounds right, guys. Good, man. All that's coming up. Uh, but first, we're gonna get to this short break, and then we're gonna come back on the phone with Tony, aka the Ichiro Vault. And uh, he's going to bring you a little bit of a Northwest flavor, funk and flair. Uh, funk and flair? Funk, funk and flair. Wow, man. All right, guys, you hang tight, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Matt Salmon, host of the Wax Ecstatic Podcast. You are listening to Beckett Radio. And, hey, make sure you've got fat packs for everybody. All right, guys, we're back from that very quick break, like really, really quick. <laughs> As our phone was actually ringing during the first segment, that's okay. That that means that uh, our first guest is on time and punctual, and which uh, I love. Being a military guy, I love that if, when you're on time and punctual. Now, now, are you a military like are you a military time guy? Absolutely. Are you really? Uh, Fifteen minutes early is late. 
Okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, so okay. I, I got to be there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the first to every party. Okay. Uh, every year, there's my there's a there's a wonderful family in our church that help that host a Fourth uh, of July thing, right? Okay. Because the, where they live at the the city sits off fireworks like right behind their house. It's really cool. So you get a front row seat to the to the to the fireworks. But uh, I we my family's always first there. Always first. That's <laughs> awesome. It's really awkward because they're like typically not ready yet. You know. Right. Right. But uh, because of me and my uh, military lifestyle. We're the first there. Now, that has nothing to do with what we want to talk about now. Uh, joining us on the phone is, uh, man, I, when I shot out the, the the super collector question, he was, like, top on the list, and they were pulling at my Mariner's heartstrings, man. They were like, you got to get this guy on. Uh, Tony of the Ichiro Vault is joining us on the phone, and he's going to break down his super collection of Ichiro Suzuki, uh, all things awesome and great for the 3,000-hit king. Yeah, I said it. What do you what do you, what do you want to fight? I got nothing, man. Wanna, all right. I got nothing, man. He's a good player. What do you want me to say? Exactly. What's up, Tony? How are you doing this morning, man? Hey, Fat Packs. How are you guys doing? I definitely appreciate you having me on the show, man. Man, we love we we love uh, we love that you're here, and we know it's early for you out there. You're on the West Coast, and it's early, but uh, we we do things early here because um, well, because you're on military yeah, time. I'm on military time. <laughs> so, uh, man, why don't you before we get into the the Ichiro collection? Tell us a little bit about who you are and how long you've been collecting just in general. Yeah, sure. So, well, I'm Tony, and I was uh, born and raised in the Seattle area. Um, you know, just a regular guy, big fan of baseball and sports in general. Um, I, gradu- I graduated from the University of Washington, so I'm a huge UW fan. Basketball, go dogs. Football and everything. I'm sorry? I said go dogs. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, they're doing great right now, at least in football, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so a uh, big Seattle sports fan, um, like most people. You know, I collected when I was a kid. When I was like six or seven, that's when I first got my first packs from the grocery store. Uh, I think 88, 89 was kind of my first taste of baseball cards, and you know, I definitely enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. And, of course, as everyone else, kind of switched over, you know, as I grew up, got into, like, video games and stuff like that and, you know, chasing girls and all that weird stuff. So, you know, then, you know, grew up, you know, got personal life stuff, uh, you know, worked up in my career and all that. And now, you know, in my 30s now, so have the financial means to have a, a fun hobby to have on the side. So, you know, definitely wanted to try something new. So um, have you guys ever heard of Swagbucks? Ever heard of that site? Swagbucks. I'm, I'm not familiar with that one. Paul, you're No, you got me on that one. Oh, okay. It was one of those sites a while back. I think they still have it. It's where, you know, you take surveys and stuff and, you know, click on stuff and you get, like, points. And if you get, like, 10,000 points, you get, like, a $5 gift card to Target. It takes, oh, like, two okay. months to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those deals. And uh, for some reason, I was on that site and I was clicking on stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. I can get something cool. So after doing that for hours and hours, you know, and I was like, man, this is, this is dumb. Like, I'm not getting anything. I'm just going to redeem my points. So one of the gift categories was uh, a mystery baseball card. I was like, baseball cards? I used to collect those when I was a kid. Might as well. I'm just going to cash this out. So like 5,000 points, I'm going to get a, a free baseball card. So a week goes by, and I get the mail, and I get this little PWE thing. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, oh, it's my baseball card. It came in this little you know, semi-rigid ultra-pro top loader, and what was in it? It was a 1990 Red Donner's Ken Griffey Jr. Very nice. (laughs) At the time, time, I was like, oh, my gosh. I hit, like, the holy grail. I had no idea. I was like, this is King Griffey Jr. I remember this card from, 
you know, 20 years back. So, and I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. But that little spark, just getting that card there, I mean, that, that sparked my interest all over again. Then I started, you know, digging into the Internet and realizing that, this, you know, this hobby's growing. There's people still interested in stuff. And, you know, I slowly started collecting Griffey and Ichiro, Alex Rodriguez. Those were kind of my top three guys when I first started. And I started all this in about 2011 is when I started getting the ball rolling. So 2011. So when did your collection start to take a real focus on Ichiro then? Um, after about a couple months, I realized, uh, you know, I've always been a fan of Ichiro. You know, when he was, uh, you know, a rookie, that was, you know, a huge deal for us in Seattle. So I always was a big fan. And, you know, obviously he had awesome play, and he was uh, very popular here in the Seattle area. So, and just because of, of his backstory and, you know, how he came to majors, that always really intrigued me. So um, I slowly tapered off. I, def- I completely removed A-Rod from my uh, – collection and, no no you know, really <laughs> <laughs> i still have a couple of cards but i stopped collecting them for a bit when i first got in i tell people i was an a-rod collector like oh my god you know they were i, I realized oh i guess he's not very popular in the collecting community can i tell <laughs> you like him can i tell you a quick funny story about a-rod Absolutely. I was, uh, when I was working for the Mariners, I think I've told this story on the radio show before once, but I was working for the Mariners and, uh, we, I had, I had a break, you know, we, we, we get breaks during the game. So, um, I knew one of the seating hosts and he let me go down and sit and watch a couple innings of the, of the game before I had to go back to work, uh, on my lunch break. So I'm down, the Yankees are in town. So Yankees Mariners and I'm down towards the left field line, pretty close to the line actually. And I'm sitting down there and just enjoying the game. And behind me, I hear the dumbest thing I've ever heard uttered at a baseball game before. Why are they booing him? Don't they know how good he is? And I turned around, <laughs> I turned around and looked. A Rod's at bat, and he's yeah. talking about why are they booing A Rod? And I was like, I've got to leave because my head's going to explode. <laughs> it was it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard at a baseball game. And uh, he. This person was very clearly not familiar with why we hate uh, A-Rod in Seattle. But I'm sorry I had to interject there. Good thing no, moving, yeah. moving away from, from A-Rod. <laughs> yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah, you're always going to have a couple of those fans that make you wonder. So, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, Paul, uh, what, do you, what do you got over there, buddy? Oh, yeah. So, what was your first Ichiro card that you got? Do you remember? First? Well, my first, I guess, Ichiro card of note was probably the 2001 Topps. You know, I trade a rookie card. That's kind of a kind of as basic rookie card that everyone should have if you're an Ichiro collector. It's a pretty basic card, but it's definitely a staple in in if you're collecting him. And also the Chrome version too. So those are kind of the first ones I remember uh, obtaining. Okay, perfect. So you go from that one. So now, how many unique Ichiro cards do you have? Man, I, I can't count right now. <laughs> okay, but. Uh, uh, yeah, because uh, I have I got at least a couple thousand different each rows at least. I have you know a couple you know three row boxes of just each row inserts and commons and a couple three inch binders full of each row base bases and commons and inserts and stuff like that. But uh, I do categorize my uh, higher end cards a bit more. So um, as you guys know, he is he is he is pretty much a premium to the hobby right now. He's always been you know his his autos command you know prices similar to like Chris Bryant and Mike Trout even more than Griffey. So, you know, it's it's definitely a challenge to get his higher-end stuff because uh, there are a lot of rabid Japanese collectors out there in Japan. I'm always competing against those guys, getting some nice cards. 
So it's tough, but it's fun. But uh, for my, my higher-end stuff, I have about 25, 30 memorabilia-type autos, um, you know, bats, baseballs, magazines, photos. Okay. And I have those all over my, covering my man cave at home that I, of course, cheesily call the Ichiro Vault itself. So <laughs> um, <laughs> That works. Yeah, so I got that, and I mainly collect cards. So I have about 60 autos for card autos, and I've got about 120 one-on-one cards of his. Wow. Wow. Speaking of one-on-ones, I've been saving. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but uh, so you, have you heard of this new uh, product, Honus Bonus? Have you, have you seen that? Uh, we, yeah, yeah. I, I saw you guys, uh, you're, you guys ripping those on uh, YouTube. Yeah, man. Uh, it was fun. And I think I said it in the video, but he has over 3,000 one-of-one cards in that product, man. And yeah, it's insane. That it, so they, they made one for all of his hits, so 3,000 and some change. Right. But uh, I was, my first thought was, was you when we, when we were interviewing the creator of it. I was like, well, how the hell is Tony going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Start buying cases and cases of that stuff. Man, that's crazy stuff. So uh, do you have a favorite one? And if so, why? Yeah, um, actually, I have, I have like I have so many, but is it okay if I go over two of them? Sure, no problem, man. Yeah, great. So the first one is I'm a huge 2012 Topps Chrome collector. That's when I really got into the hobby. It was, you know, my first real introduction to Chrome, and I just, you know, obviously we all love shiny things and cards and everything like that. So I was trying to go for the rainbow, and I know that was really hard because I found out the Super Fractor sold, so I knew I wasn't going to get it. It was probably stuck in some guy's collection in japan forever in a big vault or something so i still wanted to get every uh variation i could possibly get and the one that was always giving me trouble was a sepia it's numbered to 75 a sure. lot of my close collecting friends know about this because i've been searching for this card for over four years um it's a 75 you know you, you would think you'd find one on ebay or a forum or twitter or something like that so the more i try to find it the more i realize i can't you know made me want it even more so I had, like, the gold version that's out of 50. I have, like, seven of those. I have, like, two of the red 25s, but I have zero of the, the Sepia. So it's just driving me nuts. So it became my, my big chase. Even though it's, like, a cheap card, I just couldn't find it. So, you know, I check eBay every single day for that. And after my, like, 1,550th search, one random Tuesday night after work, boom, it's there. Just newly listed. And thank God it was a buy it now because like, I don't think I could handle a seven day auction like that <laughs> so, so yeah it was like 30 bucks man it was I mean I, I top loaded that I put it in a team bag I put it in my safe because you know so much sentimental value I was so stoked so that's one of my favorite cards for sure that's and, cool that's uh, bizarre that it took so long for, for that yeah, to, for something to surface you know that's crazy yeah it, it's bizarre you know, I, I know collectors all around have that same type of deal where they have that one random card that's not rare but for some reason, it just never pops, you know. So that's that's nuts, man. I don't think I've ever chased a card for that. I think I would just give up. Just you know, I don't, I don't want it. So kudos <laughs> to you for just hanging in there and uh, uh, <laughs> hanging in there and, and actually finding it. So, uh, have you ever dipped into the Japanese market at all? Uh, do you have any unique cards from there? Uh, actually, I don't collect Japanese cards. I only collect from 2001 on. So um, the reason being, there are so many cards there's so many sets it's it's getting it's getting crazy as you guys know just set after set so i i, I told myself in the beginning when i really started getting uh, serious with each row that i was going to start when he's a mariner because that's the whole reason why i started collecting him because he was a mariner so going back and starting in the 93 
uh, Blue Wave rookies and stuff like that, I think I was going to step my toes into something that I just couldn't handle because I I buy I already buy too many cards, <laughs> so I think that would leave me buying too, way too many cards. So, um, hey, is it okay if I will go over one more uh, favorite card? With oh, you guys? I'm sorry. Yeah, we yeah, got you go for it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So this other card, because I wanted to just piggyback off your uh, interview with Brian Gray you had last week. That was an awesome interview. Thank you. Um, and you guys were talking for like half an hour, but I think that guy could have went for like two hours and like ten segments. He's still he talking. So yeah, he is. He's still talking somewhere. <laughs> 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 Love that guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was awesome. That was one of my favorite segments. And he was talking about, he was like probably most proud of the Ichiro Immortals collection that he created. Sure. And that is my by far my favorite set obviously all each row you know so the 2013 set and that's when each row didn't sign with tops for 2013 2014 so there was a big hole in the market for that so now that was great to have that and so i i collect a ton of those cards i have the whole base set um i have like 65 of the printing plates from it i have three or four one-on-ones um, I got about four autos, but the biggest auto I have is the the dual Ichiro Willie Mays 101 book auto. From that, it's just you know amazingly beautiful card. So that's uh, I just wanted to bring that wow. one up just because you were talking to Brian Gray, and I was like, man, that's cool that he talked about that because that is one of my favorite sets and cards. So that's pretty sweet, man. Um, that's an awesome card, man. I want to see a picture of that was, one. Yeah, <laughs> you you got to post a picture of that one for yeah, us. That's good stuff. Um, ha- are you familiar yeah. with Hits Memorabilia? Yeah, I've seen those. I've seen those around. Yeah. So they have they have a pretty nice little Ichiro uh, collection. I, I I actually not I guess it's been two seasons now, but uh, I pulled a Ichiro Michael Jordan one of one that had an Ichiro glove on it and a Michael Jordan one uh, warm up suit, and I got rid of that unfortunately. But uh, they do some interesting things with some Ichiro memorabilia that. Yeah, is, is that's unique. I never even heard of that. That's a pretty cool uh, card. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty cool. Um, so I have to ask you. Uh, one quick, one quick question before Paul jumps in here. When Ichiro, I believe, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, but I believe he had a uh, uh, autograph agreement with Mill Creek Sports Cards uh, up north of Seattle. Do you have any of their of their stuff that like yes, the memorabilia? I, okay. have, I have a lot of it. Okay. I have a lot of Mill Creek Sports Cards. It's like a 45 minute drive from me, and uh, yeah, they were the exclusive. Uh, um, um, shop that does all his, his autos, you know, other than the sport card tops and, and when he had Leaf and things like that. So I actually have a really, one of my prized non-card pieces is a uh, auto from Mill Creek that I got in 2015. It was the first time he's ever done a private signing from what I've ever seen or known in 15 years, where he actually allowed for personalized signatures. He's never done that before, like ever. So I was able to have him write, you know, to Tony, and he signed his name on this big 16 by 20 photo, you know, and it was, you know, he charges an insane amount, (laughs) but it was, it was, it was worth it. And, um, you know, people keep telling me, you know, I've had people when I showed it saying, oh, that's worth nothing now. He wrote your name, but you know, you know, guys like myself, and I know a lot of my fellow collectors, it's not about that. You know, this stuff is staying with me forever. So, you know, it's kind of priceless to me, so. That's a really cool thing I got from Mill Creek. Yeah, it's a they're 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 a big shop here. They're very popular around here. Yeah, they're they're good up there. Um, Steve Grad was just up there for authentication services. Okay. So yes, yes, they right. they do a lot of good stuff. They have a lot of good signings too. Good for local guys. A lot of Seahawks go through there. A lot of uh, you know M's and you know Sounders guys sometimes. So okay, uh, makes sense. Paul, I know that you're not a big soccer guy, but 
Sorry. Is that a sport? That's a sport. Okay. The Seattle Sounders are huge. No, I know, who, I know who the Seattle Sounders they're are. They're oh, yeah. massive, massive following in Seattle. All right, man. Uh, good deal. So yeah, good deal. So all right. So you got that piece. So now, so what's your out, like ultimate goal for your collection? Like, what piece are you you hunting after now? And where do you see yourself moving with your collection? Yeah. Well, my goal right now, to be honest, is, it sounds cheesy, but it's just to have fun right now. Because before, like in 2013, 14, 15, my whole goal was to get every single card I can get my hands onto, every single one on one, every auto. It got to the point where it wasn't fun anymore. You know, I was just so stressed out. I just wanted to get every card beat out all these other collectors, and what I did was keep buying cards, throw it in, throw it in the safe, barely even looked at it, and just look for the next one, you know? So um, this next, last year and this year, it's kind of more about calming down. Uh, each row is in a lot of sets now with tops, with autos, so my goal is just, you know, to hit two or three of my favorite designs and get a couple of autos. If there's a nice one-on-one, I'm going to go, you know, if it's a reasonable price, I'll grab it, but, you know, I'm not sweating it if I don't hit every single one. Obviously, there's a lot of collectors out there, so... You know, I'm just I'm just trying to enjoy it, and uh, I got a good foundation of cards already. So, you know, just trying to get a couple of nice autos every year is kind of my goal. Perfect, man. That's, that's, that's a bad. great that's a great goal to have. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I love about it. It's sensible, and that's just something that that's doesn't true. happen too often with uh, with PC collectors <laughs> having uh, having sensible goals. And I'm going to use a line <laughs> that I'm going to use the line that Tracy used during the all, all during the industry summit. It's good to have goals. It's good to have goals. It's good yeah. to have goals. So, it is. But sensible goals are, are, are very great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could go today and probably go on eBay and find $5,000 worth of Ichiro's you don't have and sure. just, you know, buy them now, <laughs> you know, like that's, but to only pick the stuff now that you have so many, you pick the stuff that you really like. I like it. It's, I like it. Self-control. Cool. Self-control. <laughs> good job, Tony. Hey, man, uh, we are up against it, and I know that you've got to get to work. It's early this morning, but you got some, uh, some things to do out there on the West Coast, so I want to thank you for joining us. Um, before you get out of here, is there any any parting shot or anything you want to say? Go M, Soto Mojo, anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, go Mares. I hope they turn it around. They have a tough first ten games, but yeah, definitely go Mares. Go go Dogs, and uh, uh, definitely appreciate you having me here. This is you know really cool to have some you know Joe Schmo collector here from Seattle just being on your show after I hear you guys you know interviewing. Evan Mathis, Steve Dreyer every month, and you got, you know, Brian Drake. You can talking to guys like me, you know, that, that that means a lot to, you know, us collectors. So it's really cool, and I definitely appreciate it, and definitely look forward to hearing uh, about other people's collections on your show. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Hey, if you get any highlights or anything new, just a shout-out to us, man. Let us know what's going on in your collection. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, man. Uh, enjoy your day, and be blessed. All right. You too, guys. Thank Have you. a good one. Hi, this is Scott Schwartz from the movie The Toy and A Christmas Story, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break, and uh, joining us on the phone now is uh, another another hobby royalty guy. You know, it's for uh, sure, it, for sure. He's uh, he's a name that if you don't know uh, Kevin Isaacson, you, if you don't know that name in the hobby, it's you've, you've probably lived under a rock for for some for a time. long time. For yes, some time. Yes, um, he is uh, for, for all intents and purposes, just the name behind the Industry Summit. And coming off the Industry Summit, I wanted to get his thoughts on this year's summit, the summit on, as a whole, just right. through, through the years. And then he's told some, he told three really great stories at the summit. If I can get him just to tell one of those, that would be great. But uh, good morning, Kevin. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem, man. It's a pleasure to have you. Too bad we couldn't do this out in Vegas. Yeah, um, he was a little scared. 
scattered all over the he place there. He was busy. So, very busy. Busy man. But uh but that's a that's a that's a sign of a good leader. You For know, sure. So, so he was he was in he had his hands in several different pots, but it was all stirring in the same direction. It was. So that's the that's <laughs> the good thing. Um Kevin, like I said, you you are pretty much the name behind the industry summit. Can you tell us uh, for the novice listener who might not know, where did the idea come from and what it's grown to now? How did, how did that whole immaculation start or begin and then now? Well, we've had 31 industry trade conferences. Uh, the event was started by a California-based dealer named Kit Young, who's uh, you know certainly one of the top 10 names uh, in, in industry history. And what, what Kit uh, knew is that, again, most industries have trade conferences, and he thought it'd be very helpful for uh, sellers from across the U.S. Uh, and, in fact, North America to get together once a year and talk about issues, find solutions to common problems, etc. And from that small gathering, which really was about 40 dealers uh, the first year, it grew into a, a rather significant show. And uh, my wife and I were fortunate a number of years ago to be able to uh, take over the mantle of the show, initially running it for Kit and his wife, and then uh, later owning and operating it ourselves before the sale to Beckett. And uh, we, you know, were thrilled to provide that service, really, uh, which is bringing people together to talk about issues, opportunities, and growing the business. That's um, 31 years of, of history there that... I'm sure that you could just tell great stories from, but let's focus in on on this year's summit. Um, this was Paul and I's first one to attend. This, you know, obviously wasn't your first. What do you think the positive was that came out of uh, of this year's gathering? The positive is always the people, and I've always felt that if you can meet one person, I always tried for three, but if you can meet one person who can positively change your business for the next year, it's worth attending. Uh, it's it's not inexpensive. Registration's uh, several hundred dollars, and you add the cost of a flight and a couple uh, uh, nights in a hotel, and perhaps you know a few bucks lost at the gambling tables. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, you know it's it's a bit of an expense. But uh, one example, and just one, uh, eBay brought in um, four representatives from different parts of their business. And if someone's an online seller and they could tap in to 30 or 45 minutes with just one of those eBay staff members, they were going to learn enough to optimize their business to more than make back that investment over the next 51 weeks. Man, that's, that's, that's amazing stuff right there to be able to have those people in front of you because those are the people that you want to talk to, you know, that you can't necessarily talk to on a daily basis. So that is very cool. I know for myself being there for the first time, and being around this hobby for a long time, I, I know nothing. Yeah. I, I learned so much being there from the different people and the different groups and forums and stuff. So it was amazing. I think for me as well, sitting, I, 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 what I thought I knew is, is really a minuscule, uh, you know, drop in the pond uh, according to, to the big fish in the ocean that we were swimming with there. That, that's a really, uh, <laughs> that's a really deep co uh, conversation there. But yeah, yeah. Just the the names that were in the room, like the hobby minds, and being able to pick their brains uh, about this industry and about what makes the hobby great. But uh, there again, how to grow uh, in in twenty seventeen and into the future was really interesting to see. Um, and being able to sit down with people like eBay and and Amazon and you know Br Brian Gray and you know. 
Kevin and Panini and Tops have having that accessibility that you know is not typically there was really great and uh, seeing just seeing it on a whole was was really great as well. Um, Kevin, what what do you think um, is the future of of the hobby right now in 2017 moving forward? What do you what trends are you seeing that are going to help uh, you know Beckett grow and the hobby grow? Trust and safety um, has been a real positive growth area in the business. Uh, Fifteen years ago, when uh, we had the McGuire and Sosa autograph issues and autograph uh, fraud was prevalent, uh, there was a real concern about the integrity of the industry as a whole. Uh, but really, with the advances in autograph authentication and uh, grading and encapsulation, customer confidence has been not only restored, but really accelerated. Uh, we've seen it in our Beckett grading business and in the various grading businesses and authentication businesses across the industry. Those businesses are, are growing and advancing, and with that comes consumer confidence. So I'm, I'm very bullish on uh, the hobby as a whole. Uh, sales are up uh, in new card categories across the board. Uh, the whole industry right now is strong and growing and stable. It's not a binge in industry, so it... Um, it's it, it's a positive business, and uh, you know that that is probably a surprising statement to a lot of people who, for the last decade, have said you know it's a it's a diminishing or dying industry. I completely disagree. I think that's a hundred percent correct. Uh, seeing seeing it from from this side of uh, of the hobby is I, I really think it's growing. I think that uh, everything is trending in the right direction, and if things continue to stay in this with the trust like you mentioned trust if in, in safety and, and security if that if it continues to trend, trend that way it's going to continue to grow and boom hopefully yeah i mean it can't not do that you know what i mean sure. so i mean there's just there's different forms and different ways and just the massive social media that's out there just promoting the hobby and cards and collecting and yeah it's, it's reached so many more people now you know internationally yeah. um and just people that normally might not even pick up a baseball card are now dealing with baseball cards. So it's uh, it's definitely booming. I, I think so. Beckett is a name that you know we've been around for thirty years, but um, it's a it's a name that people are starting to come back around. I'm like, oh, those guys. Yeah. yeah, I remember those guys, and we're bringing those people back in, and that's that's really fun to see, especially with, when kids can get involved with one of those as well. Um, Kevin, I'm not going to keep you a whole lot longer, but you told three great stories, and um, on day one of the meetings and I was wondering if, if we could just get you to tell one of them, that would be great. But what it means, you told three great stories, uh, three different names in the hobby that, that all have weight behind them, but they, you made poignant points with them. Could you please just share one of them? Um, glad to do so, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll modify your request a little bit. Okay. So one of the stories that I shared at the summit was, uh, about Patty Young. Uh, Patty was the wife of Kit Young. Uh, she passed away, uh, 10 years ago, but was the most influential person, um, certainly in my family's life. And, um, it was, was a, a difference maker in this industry. She was, um, uh, came from a very humble means, but, uh, had had developed an ability to uh, make anyone who she engaged with feel that like they were the most important person in the room could be the TV repairman could be, you know, any service provider or could be uh, the president of upper deck. 
she she really had a unique ability to do that. So the story I want to share is um, Patty uh, going shopping for cars uh, from their Maui home. And Patty typically, when she was on the island, wore a swimsuit and a cover-up. Uh, and, and she was a, a bigger woman. So, um, you know, while a wonderful person don't think swimsuit model here, she was kind of had had the older beach bum look. And so she and Kit walked into the Mercedes dealership and said they wanted to buy a new car. And uh, what the dealer saw was a couple of, uh, you know, beach bums. And so they sicked the, the, the new youngest sales rep on these crazy people who no way would have any money to buy a, a Mercedes. And so they, uh, Kit and Patty looked around for a little bit, and Patty decided they would buy two. He was going to buy uh, a Mercedes, and she was going to get a convertible. So they said, listen, you guys drop the paperwork. We'll go out for lunch and come back and make the deal. And, uh, you know, Patty's not, um, uh, she's certainly aware of her surroundings, and she knew that the sales manager and others were kind of snickering at uh, this young kid dealing with the beach bums. And so when they walked out of the dealership, um, you know, the, the salespeople were convinced they'd never see the Youngs again. Um, not, of course, knowing who the Youngs were and, and uh, their financial situation. So in about an hour and a half, Patty came back and uh, had her checkbook. And uh, the shock on the sales manager's face when he realized who had what money and that they were, in fact, going to buy two cars uh, he, of course, was running over all the senior salespeople were running over to service them. And Patty said, well, you know, yes, I, I, I do want to buy the car, but the only way I'm going to buy it is if this young man who was so kind to us um, can complete the transaction. And if he gets 100 percent of the commission, I want to know the exact details and I want every dollar to go to him. And if you're not going to give him every dollar of commission on this sale, we're walking. So. The young man made a nice commission that day because he was kind and decent and respectful, regardless of how people presented themselves. So the, what, what I took away from that story is that, you know, in this industry, you never know really who you're dealing with. Um, there, are, there are dealers, young dealers at shows who uh, will be engaging with this um, older gentleman who's looking at singles, dollar cards, and they have no idea that it's Jim Beckett. Right. <laughs> Jim yeah. does this regularly. And so you never know who you're dealing with. You never know what holdings they may have or not have. And, you know, there's never, never a reason not to be nice and not to be attentive. One, because it's the right thing to do. And two, because it could make a big difference in your business just by being nice. That's 100% on the head what I was hoping that you would share something like that. And that is a great, great story. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that you know is, that that young kid just took it on and said, "I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna." You know, they might be laughing at me, but I'm gonna take it on and and be nice to these people, and it worked out for him. Yeah. Uh, to his point, you never know. You just nope, never, you know. never know. And um, that's that's the kind of knowledge that you know you only get from from years of experience in this business. And Kevin is one of the best. So thank you, sir, for joining us today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the story. And um, I I want to I want I want to speak to you again and just just get some of this more knowledge from you because you, you are just a wealth of it. Uh, you guys are really kind. You did a great job at the summit. It was wonderful to have you there. Looking forward to next year already, and uh, we'll speak soon. Thanks awesome, again man. for the time today. Thank you very much, sir. Take care, Kevin. Hey, what's up? This is Chris, Chief Brake Officer here at Top Shelf Brakes, and you are listening to the Fat Pack, Eric and Paul on Beckett Radio. 
All right, guys, we're back from that quick break, and we're coming off a hobby legend in Kevin Isaacson. For sure. Uh, thank you again, Kevin, for your time, man. That was just, you know, he, he can be a little intimidating, but uh, once you get past that, that shell. He's he, a teddy bear, He's a big man. teddy bear. He's, but don't tell anybody I said that. No, nobody. <laughs> um, great guy. So we're coming off a hobby legend into a hobby newbie sort of, kind of, of, of ways, right? right. So uh, John Finkel is with us. Um, if you don't know that name, you're, you're about to very soon, especially here in the Beckett circles. For sure. He is our new publisher, but he's so much more than that. I, I got to admit that I, I was kind of teasing you a bit earlier on the show. Did the whole Finkel Einhorn thing from. Uh, <laughs> that's not the first time I've heard it. That's not the first time. <laughs> so, uh, man, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are uh, and where you came from and what you're going to be doing here at Beckett. Sure. Well, real quick, it's funny you mentioned the fake linehorn thing. I didn't get it as bad as my brother, who was a really good uh, basketball player in high school, okay. right around when the movie came up. So he had to deal with an entire season of fake linehorn chants at the foul line. Whereas <laughs> I was already in college and, and didn't have to deal with that. So when you really talk about that, he's the one who may be a little, a little sore about it. I got gotcha. you. Now we have to interview thing. him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember going to games coming home, and it was Finkel, Einhorn, and he would have to be shooting in real games, and they were good. So anyway, that was a little stuff. That's really Oh, that funny. stinks, man. That's funny. <laughs> that stinks, man. All right, man. Tell, tell us about yourself. Uh, first of all, who, just who are you? Yeah, well, I, uh, I'm, A, you know, psyched to be back at, at Beckett, and I say back because I grew up with Beckett as my Bible. I used to literally get – Every issue, every month, I don't know the exact ages, maybe 9 or 10, all the way to who knows, you know, when I got into high school. And I would know every card's value. I used to read the front of the book. I remember I, I reconnected with Joe Posnanski, who you guys know is a you know, big-time writer now, Sports Illustrated, New York Times bestselling author. Right, right. I was in the library here, and I was like, that, that's the same guy I used to read when I was a kid. And I, <laughs> I remember the covers, the Wade Boggs covers, and all the covers we used to have. And I just had a great trip down memory lane when I got here. But when I first heard that there was kind of an opportunity here, uh, my first thought was like Beckett, like Beckett, Beckett, like the that Beckett that I used to grow up and every right. every single weekend was spent trading cards, looking at cards. So that's why I say coming back to it because uh, while I've been a million places, we can get into that work wise, and I've written a lot of things. Uh, I really feels almost like I won't say coming home, but coming back to a brand that I just had a total admiration for uh, when I was growing up. It, I get that a lot at parties, like um, yeah. <laughs> or like so. My our, my kid's uh, seven, right, and at birthday parties. You know, the, there's the always the dad purgatory. We're over in the corner yeah. just trying not to, you know, make eye contact. But eventually it happens and they're like, so what do you do? Oh, I work at Beckett. Beckett? Like yeah. Beckett the magazine? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, then you have to explain everything to them and they have they want to bring out all their cards. But uh, yeah. I completely understand where you're coming from. I'm sure Paul can uh, probably relate too. Although I was just at a party this past weekend mm -hmm. in, in that in that corner with all the dads. Yeah. And I the same question was asked. Yeah. And they all stared at me and went, what? Yeah. yeah. What? Awesome. And I'm like, yeah, back in, and I had to, actually they'd never heard of it before. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I had to actually explain it to them. I asked them if they grew up under rocks before, but right. yeah, apparently they were all my age and they had never collected cards. And I was like, people in Texas are weird sometimes. That's well, really weird. like yeah. I never ran into somebody. That was the well, that was the first time. That's funny <laughs> yeah. that you brought it up. It's the first time I, I had to go through like these three guys and like, <laughs> all right, well this is what I do, and they're all looking at me like, you do that for a living? Like that's your job? Like I don't understand. Yeah. So. Well, since I started getting involved and kind of getting feelers with coming here, I've probably had maybe twenty different cards texted to me to get the value of friends <laughs> just asking me <laughs> randomly, like, dude, that's amazing. I can't believe it. I can't believe Beckett's still doing what they're doing. That's great. I can't wait. To 
see what you're going to do there. Hey, by the way, what's my Mattingly rookie worth? Nice. Hey, I have a Kirby Puckett with a curved edge. Like, is that, what's that worth? Um, <laughs> dude, I have 11 Ken Griffey Jr. rookie cards. Right. Mint condition. Like, are those, are those worth anything anymore? Oh, that's so So, funny. like, immediately it's like, dude, that's awesome. That's great. Hey, I just went upstairs into my attic, and I was checking out the Eric Davis page that I have. <laughs> are those still worth anything? Or, like, should I keep the Barry Larkins? Like, what should I do? <laughs> and, and, and honestly, that's why I'm so excited about being here because, that's, to me, there's millions of guys like that that are so untapped at this point that we can get back into the brand and say, A, we're still here, but B, it's still awesome. We all still think about this stuff. And now that we have kids, like you were saying, right. you know, who are getting into it, sure. it's a whole new opportunity. And I've just started doing that. I've written blog posts about it long before coming here, getting my kids into baseball cards, especially my son, um, you know, transferring over the idea of the excitement of opening up a new pack. And so that's really why I'm pumped to, to be starting. Except for those three guys in Keller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's yeah, exactly. excited for those three yeah, guys. Those, guys. <laughs> those poor, poor people. Uh, Man, so let's 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 go over some of your work history. Sure. Um, you, I I I knew kind of who you were through uh, the life of dad. Yeah. Uh, but you, there's so much more to you, and you told me that uh, we'll start at Comedy Central, yes. and uh, my jaw dropped because before baseball cards, before sports, and all that, I'm a comedy just nut. Yeah. And uh, tell us about your days at Comedy Central. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it because it's amazing. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so my, my first job, um, when I, I went to school at uh, James Madison University, and I wanted to write movies and write TV shows and just write. I didn't know exactly. You know, I was 22. I didn't know. All I knew is I wanted to go to L.A., and I was going no matter what. So I spent the summer after my uh, senior year delivering wine in New York City for my football coach. We lived in New Jersey at the time. Saved up whatever amount of money my dad said I had to save up before he would kind of give me his blessing to just go shoot out across the country without knowing anybody. And I, I didn't. I knew I was staying with a guy who was a son of a guy my dad worked with. That was the connect. I called him randomly March and said, I'm going to move out. And everybody there crashes on couches and stuff. So sure. I did. Through them, I knew someone who knew someone who got me a job on a lot, which happened to have the man show on it. Amen. Oh, so, there you go. so for my first couple weeks there, all I did was I was just it was off season for a lot of shows. They were all on hiatus, so I was setting up offices, and I just got put on. I was just grunt work, just carrying desks, and and I was setting up the man show office. Obviously, that was like my prime age group, the prime thing sure. for me to work right, on. Right, right. And you know, Jimmy Kimmel and Corolla were both super hard workers, and were the first two guys there while I was setting up the office. So. Him and this other executive producer, you know, sports fans, and every day I was wearing my Red Sox hat and various jerseys and shirts and stuff. And, you know, they're nice guys. They're sports fans. We'd slowly start talking about what was going on. And finally I said, look, I don't want to work on a lot. I want to work here. And so I had to go through the normal interview process, which is basically can you pick up heavy things and we do whatever we say. Sure. Um, <laughs> and so uh, not from those guys but from the, you know, the lot managers. Right. And so I finally when the season started, I got put on the man show as a PA. And that pretty much included early on, you know, setting everything up. But then it was a PA for production shoots. Um, and so I was essentially Corolla's specific guy. So Sweet. he would have, when he was, awesome. he was redoing his house, I spent days just sitting around waiting for contractors shooting hoops. Like yeah. little of that stuff all the way to <laughs> on our live shoot dates, which we used to do two shows in a row. We could drink beer on set. They had kegs around for the juggies and for the, the, uh, the <laughs> Oompa <laughs> band. I was in charge of the juggies, the Oompa band. Not in charge, but assisting everybody from the parking lot all the way on. And so, yeah, my, my job went from wrangling the uh, little people that we would have on, uh, which was a lot, and all the way to the juggies and porn stars and Adam West from Batman, like anybody who was on there as a PA, I was getting them in their cars and walking them up and not, you know, glory work, but 
That was what I did. Yeah, it was anything and everything. First guy there. I used to get fruit for Adam and Jimmy fruit. and get their lunches. <laughs> and they always wanted fresh fruit there. And uh, anything that needed to be done, you know, long, long hours. I mean, who knows? I think I was making 60 bucks a day or something. Sure. Um, just starting out and taking on anything I could do. But you didn't care. I didn't care at all, man. I spent days as a spotter for the girls on trampolines, just making sure if they fell, someone would catch them. That was not work. That was like the gr- I call my friends who were, you know, in Hoboken and grinding it out, wearing suits and ties on the subway every day in the middle of the summer. Right. And I'd be like, you yeah, know, I was in Griffith Park yesterday, setting up the trampolines, and then you know, I was making sure if they were going to fall because jumping's tired for these young girls. Yeah. And if they fall over the wayside, I'm going to catch them. That's my job. That's your job. Like, that's your job. And I'm like, yeah. Paul, I'm job. sorry, I'm going to have to put you on the spot here. Did you watch the Man Show? I did not watch okay, the Man so Show. What he's talking about specifically is the intros and outros they would have um well to do well endowed females uh jumping on trampolines yes gotcha. uh, on right. intros and outros that makes uh, sense. and they would just say now boys yeah. you know, see you later next week girls on trampolines yeah. over the credits it was just girls <laughs> in bikinis yeah, yeah. that's all it was gotcha. uh it was um at 22 i'm sure it was just and we a it dream. was a shoot so it was a yeah. legitimate shoot we had four trampolines set up and sure. 50 girls who knows how many it was and and that was the two days out in the you know and of course no nobody actually worked that day besides yeah. uh somebody else was kind of out of the office watching to make sure it went well but, <laughs> right. but uh, yeah that was probably one of my the most highlighted days of getting you know one of those I'm getting paid to do this today? Yeah. I don't care if I'm getting $4. You know, <laughs> right. This is actually my job. Is now, you know, when you're breaking down the trampolines at 1 o'clock in the morning, sure. you've been gone for four right, hours, right. and you're driving on the 405 with a rented truck, and you're returning all the stuff at 3 a.m., obviously not the glory part of it, but it was well worth it uh, to, you know, to get back at all my buddies who were just kind of suit and tie. Suit and tie, making fun of you and all that stuff. Yeah, making fun of me right. until it came out. Um, I got on the show a few times Sweet for various... Because I was the age group of the audience, sure. they're like, we just need a guy who looks like a guy who might be at a bar. Or something. All right. And so I would just he's show. The, he's the bar guy. Yeah, yeah. bar guy. <laughs> uh, I think once I was, uh, I was, uh, it was a, it was for cable, so it was safe, but I was strip club patron number two. Oh, nice. So I was just sort of in the background there. <laughs> um, I was in various, you know, fraternity scenes. Sure. Never credited or anything, but, you know, right. yeah, that was my first did, start. Did you ever run in with the, uh, the insult kid? Um, yeah, yeah. So Andy, um, yeah. he he was cool because he was you know when he was on set he had to be tutored and stuff. So I was always a good kid, especially then. So I was in charge of this. So whenever we would do whenever we would do his shoots on location, um, I used to kind of just hang out with him, make sure he was doing his tutoring and stuff like that. And and he was great. You know, it's not easy. You know, he'd have an earpiece in, and sure. three writers firing jokes at him, and, and he was a really nice kid. I don't know. Actually, I haven't thought of him in a long time. I hope he turned out okay. But. Andy Milanakis is that? No, uh, was no. that the same guy? I don't think that's the same guy. That was a MTV guy. Yeah, that was an right? MTV guy. Yeah. Uh, Andy, oh god, it, his name was Andy. Though. Yeah, it'll slip, it'll slip my mind. And I'll remember it later. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. So from from Comedy Central and the Man Show, where did you in land next? So while I was there, um, you know, I submitted some writing and some bits, and some things got close to being on air, and you know, one line would be used or one joke would be used, but you know, I, I really wanted to write, and I grew up in the Sports Illustrated mold. You know, I wanted to write the stuff with my byline. I have an ego like everybody else, and right. And I, you know, I like the idea of writing for them and writing spec scripts and stuff, but I really wanted to start branching out on my own. Back then, there was no your own brand, but I want to write under my own name. Um, and so while I was there, I did another pilot with them, uh, with uh, Harlan Williams. Um, he's a comedian. He's not really that big anymore. But I love Harlan. Yeah, he, used to, he was a <laughs> six-minute ab guy, yeah. bit from something about Mary. So I did stuff with him and some other things, Corolla side projects and stuff. But while I was doing that, I started writing um, – 
basically for a penny a word for like Santa Monica Sun and some local places just to get some bylines. Uh, I started writing for a site that's now huge, but at the time it had just launched called HoopsHype.com. It's a big basketball site now owned by USA Today, but at the time it was just a bunch of guys writing for stuff. And then I started literally, you know, this isn't that far ago. It's only 2000, 2001. I started sending out letters to the magazines that I liked, that I read, to write for them. And back then you had to actually print them up, you know, get them in the mail, send them out. I had no idea if anyone was going to ever read them. There was no email addresses for senior editors of places. And so I sent out one day, I remember, I never forget, I sent out 22 query letters. Okay. I only heard back from one, but it was the next day, and it was for men's health, and who happened to be in L.A. And um, it was for a story about how to dunk. I wanted to go to UCLA and talk Uh, to, like, their trainers and say, look, I'm white, 5'11", I've never dunked, I want a program, I want a routine, I just want to dunk once in my life on my physical prime, like, what do I do? Let's do a three-month program and chronicle it. Um, And they they bought it. Really? So Yeah, and and so literally I never heard back from a single other person, but that was able to launch everything. I became a fairly regular writer for for men's fitness over, over that time. Uh, and I be- went from writing, you know, their little front of the book segments like that, how to dunk or, you know, six pack of whatever, you know. And then um, I eventually they were doing a transition to get they used to have models on every cover, just generic jack dudes. Sure. Right. And, you know, we were all, you know, guys like me who were reading it were like, Dude, I don't care. These guys, let's get athletes on the cover. And they finally went for it. And so I wrote the very first cover, uh, big cover story of athletes, it was Tiki Barber. Uh, so I flew back out, and I uh, spent a weekend with Tiki Barber for his cover story. And that really got me into the realm of that type of writing. So I did, oh, a, okay. I did the first, I think it was six or eight of those athlete cover stories. It was Tiki Barber, Mike Madonna, who we have. And that was actually my first time in Dallas. I spent okay. three days with Mike Madonna. Oh, okay. Um, and then I did uh, Roy Jones Jr., which was awesome. Carl uh, Malone, three or four other guys. Uh, for cover stories, and that really put me in the sort of national media space. So, Carl Malone, did he scare the hell out of you? Because he scares me. Like, just <laughs> Dude, I have a book that I want to do with Carl Malone from that day forward. He was the, he was the nicest guy. Yeah. He was huge. He was funny. Uh, but he was also beyond intimidated. And right. he was because that was he was when I did that that cover story. He had just gotten that one year with the Lakers, right? So right. it was Shaq, it was him, it was Gary Payton, it was Kobe on that team. And Shaq, I'd, I'd covered them a little bit for Hoops Hype, as I mentioned. And, and and Shaq's the biggest guy you will ever see. Yeah. But Carl's like just slightly smaller, but jacked. Right. You know, <laughs> and uh, and he was unbelievable. And I don't know how it happened on that photo shoot. They wanted to do a shot of him. Two things weird about it. They wanted to do a shot of him like coming out of the shower, like working out, coming out of the shower, or after he just worked out. However, he had a young daughter at the time. I think now she's a professional athlete or plays in WNBA or something. Um, who had, you know, he's a guy. He's a dad. He got stuck with his daughter painting his toenails like pink or something. Sure, right, right. right. Pink and he had pink fingernails and pink toenails or something like that. And so that's what we ended up talking about. So at one point, I found myself standing in a shower. With Carmelo talking about <laughs> pink nail polish, nice, no. amazing. So I think not the, intimidated, no, but no, very no, weird. Yeah. That's weird. I think the one thing we missed in this whole conversation was: Did you actually dunk? Oh, oh, uh, oh. I did. So, <laughs> nice. So, right. so I have friends who can verify who lived with me out in LA at the time. It okay. was the craziest workout. I, the guy, I don't remember his name, unfortunately. He was the head strength and conditioning coach for UCLA. Okay. And I was like, look, I'm, I'm athletic. Like, I played sports in high school. Like, I'm above average athlete. Nothing crazy. But I have, a, I felt like I had the ability. And I could grab rim. But there's a difference. There's probably an 8-inch Oh, a huge difference. difference. Yeah. So he, I was doing, like, uh, I was taking, like, 10-pound dumbbells, like, in a pool and doing, like, blast jumps and box jumps. I was doing squats for the first time since I was in high school and all stuff. And it was just three weeks of heavy, intense training with one week off for three months. And okay. in the break of that week, 
and it was really scary because when you all of a sudden get you know an, a foot extra vertical like when I go play pickup it was really weird like I would be blocking people and like I'd get rebounds and I was a little nervous I don't know how to land I, I've never been a high flyer so <laughs> right, right, right. it kind of spooked me and uh, we went down when I had a little problem gripping the ball I don't have the biggest hands oh but, okay uh, but went down one day after the end of the thing, and it was really, and I, I did it. It wasn't anything special, right. but I, I put it down, and my buddy Sean was there, and you know, I had witness that did it, and uh, and unfortunately, like I was like, I'm gonna keep this rolling, and he, the guy, he didn't advise me not to. He was like, look, you know, there's only, there's, everybody has a ceiling for this, right? And uh, I ended up pulling my quad, you know, because by then I was like, I can squat all kinds of stuff, I can deadlift heavy weights, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into this, right, right. And you know, pulling quad, it took me about a month and a half to even get back. And then by once, once the inertia was gone, I was like, I don't need to dunk, right. So within like three months, <laughs> I was back to like, yeah, I could grab rim, but I dunked once, but I dunked <laughs> once, I dunked once. <laughs> I don't need to dunk. Those are words just, I'll never say. Yeah, <laughs> you need to be in the remake of White Man Can't Jump. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I could dunk. It was funny to watch gradually, like two, three weeks later, when my quad was better, like I could still put down a volleyball. Like a month after that, I was like, I could probably still own a tennis ball. And then within, like I said, within a very short time, I was back to like, so the tips of my fingers get in the rim. Like that's yeah. where my that's, that's where, where I'm at. at. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's where I sit best. <laughs> All right. Uh, men's Health. Then uh, tell us about Life of Dad, how that got started and how you got affiliated with that. Yeah, so that's a bit of a – I'll mention a couple things in between to sure, catch us up sure. there. But um, so I was writing for Men's Fitness and doing all the cover stories there, and I got um, I heard about an open thing for GQ magazine doing what was called a the time they were calling it like a life advice fitness advice column, and so I had spent a lot of time you know when you're low level at magazines you're getting the readers email and figuring out good so I was responding to some of that stuff, and uh, I had a bunch of good ideas for a column and I ended up calling it the Body Guru which was whatever. Right. Somebody called the body guru at the GQ offices and I got the job as the monthly columnist just answering readers' questions, like the weirdest, strangest questions you could ever possibly think of for, for physical stuff, nutrition stuff, and we got some really weird ones. I'm sure. And, uh, and so I did that for a while and while I was doing that in LA, I wanted to get books, I wanted to do stuff, and I'd been doing wow. basketball. And so a friend of mine mentioned somebody, he had this company called Tokyo Pop, which did manga. They had a big deal. They just bought the, um, they bought a license. They wanted to do all sports teams, but they bought a license for the NBA to do a series of books for their Read to Achieve program. And since I had interviewed, uh, for Hoops Hype, I had interviewed a bunch of basketball players, I had kind of a really goofy idea, I don't know where it came from in my brain, of doing a, a series of books where since it's read to achieve, we pick two like you know cartoon characters to narrate the lives of NBA stars, like okay. two Beavis and Butthead, safe for grade school kids, like talking, you know, hyping up NBA players. So I went in and did the pitch, and I, it went great. And so I got the contract to do all twelve books in the series. So that oh, was wow. a three-year deal, basically, to do all twelve. And it was on Shaq and Kobe and Allen Iverson and KG and and uh, Kevin and uh, Tim Duncan and all those guys. And it was awesome. So when that ended, I you know. Needed a job, right? Uh, right, I, right. Clearly, at tw- that was ages like 25, 26, 27. So I milked that. Lived on the beach in Hermosa Beach. Didn't <laughs> drive anywhere. Worked from home. Surfed in the morning. Nice. Well, it was great. That was my twenties. That's what that's, what I always what wanted you do. to do. Right. Yeah. So when that was over, I, I got on staff um, at Muscle and Fitness. Weeder owned all those places, so I reached back out to those guys to kind of get back into the day thing. Uh, we were supposed to do baseball books and other books, but just I don't know. You know who knows? That didn't doesn't work. It didn't work out. And so when I got back on staff there, I, I really enjoyed it. I was doing back doing sports cover stories, interviewed Triple H and Batista and all. You know, they did a lot of WWE guys because Muscle and Fitness is bigger size guys than men's fitness. Anyway, when I was doing that, I realized I really wanted to get back into general sports stuff. And so I reached out and started writing for Yahoo Sports. 
Um, when I was writing for Yahoo Sports, I was still doing some fitness stuff. I became a dad. And I had this idea to do a book for dads who just have no time to work out. You know, you have a baby, you're not right. sleeping, your work schedule's bad, your food's bad. Like the easiest, simplest diet where you could do, a, not even a diet, a full routine where it's, the tagline was, you know, the dad advantage, stay in shape on no sleep with no time and no equipment. That was like anything you do, easy read. And when I did that book um, to get all the way back to Life of Dad, it, Life of Dad had just launched. I was looking for places to promote it. It was kind of an interesting book. And I reached out through the, they just started. I mean, I don't think they had 100 fans on Facebook. I was just Googling, you know, dad podcasts, dad blogs, dad stuff. And I reached out to uh, Tommy Riles, who was one of their founders. And Tommy is an awesome guy. He, um, he's the warm-up man for Ellen DeGeneres. He does, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He does, he's a stand-up oh, okay. comedian, warm-up guy, MC. So he warms up Ellen now. I think it's been eight or nine years. And we hit it off. He's a, he's a Red Sox fan also. I'm sorry, a Patriots fan. I think he's a Mets fan, but sports fan in general. Uh, we hit it off, and he had me on their podcast. I was one of the first seven or eight guys on their podcast, which is hilarious because now it's like Golick and Greeny and yeah. big-name guys. So wow. I look back, and I'm like, you know, you remember, like, when no one was going to come on, it was me. But now it's like A-lister after A-lister after A-lister. Um, right. He hosts that with Art Eddie, who I – host a uh, Facebook live show on Fridays with just Life of Dad Sports, which is awesome because I can bring Beckett into that and do a lot of that kind of stuff. Awesome. So that's how I got involved with Life of Dad. Awesome. Now you're here. Yes. Um, and we're happy to have you here because, as everyone just heard, he's, he's a wealth of knowledge, and he's he, I don't want to, like, wash his balls or anything. But he like he, he kind of knows what he's talking about. So <laughs> yeah, so just, just a little just bit. Just a little and bit. And he can dunk, or he did dunk. Yeah, and he yeah, did yeah. dunk. Um, 5'11 white guy can dunk. That's uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. I mean, he's, he's... I have a Nerf hoop in my office now where I yeah. just do fantasize of what I used to be able to do. Do you go into your Nerf hoop and just do all the Nate Robinson dunks? Or yes. do you just yeah, yeah. I do, every, I do all of them. Actually, what, what's funny is I have... Um, uh, my son, I got like now we grew up on like the Jordan um, t- little tykes hoop, but now oh, it's yeah. a LeBron yeah, yeah. one. LeBron yeah. has one. It's a cool program. I guess almost all the money gets donated to the LeBron James Foundation, but it's the same thing. It's it can be like three foot to seven or eight feet or whatever it is. So I, uh, if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, um, it's at John underscore Finkel. Occasionally, we'll reenact dunks on the LeBron hoop at five feet. Nice. And get stills of mainly I like I'm a Vince Carter and, and Dominique type of guy. Okay. So a lot uh, of windmills and stuff. A lot like of windmills. Yeah. I have nice. a great. I think a couple weeks ago I did one with my arm, you know, elbow deep uh, hanging, uh, but not hanging, only about right. four feet. Right, right, right. So I like to post pictures of that. Uh, I work out early in the morning, and I just kind of take goofy stuff in the garage while I'm, you know, in between sets and stuff like there that. There you so go. That works. There you yeah. go. So Better than us Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I think it's uh, it's kind of ironic that we have this, this well, Beckett, Beckett terms a model of fitness sitting in our in our studio here <laughs> yeah. in between the fat packs. Sitting with the fat the, packs, yeah. This would be a great photo opportunity for somebody to come and This is why we do radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly why we do radio. Um, you are also uh, you mentioned it, but you're an author and you have yeah. a you have a new book out that just dropped uh, what two weeks ago yep. with uh, you and Mean Joe Green yes. sat down and, and, and wrote something. So yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, so I um I started a series of books where uh, I was working previously with the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, we wanted to do a series of books on College Football Hall of Famers. You know, they should be the, the authority on their actual Hall of Famers. So when you go to there, you go to their bookstore. You know, there's other books that anybody's writing, whether it's, uh, you know, someone from Sports Illustrated or whoever, just on their college football fans or teams that they like. And so I wanted to launch that series. 
And I wanted to start with somebody who had a big enough name both in college and in the pros who obviously I'd get along with, but who was local. You know, I'd done, as you mentioned, a book with Nate Robinson, and I was in Seattle, and he was awesome. But, you know, I had to fly to Seattle for a week, and then it was largely over the phone. And I think the book came out awesome. Uh, and it did really well, but you know, you know, if you can have, if you can find somebody, if you're going to pick, let's find someone local. So, sure. me and Joe, as people may or may not go, went to the University of North Texas, which is only okay. about an hour here from 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 uh, from Dallas, where we are, uh, and about 25 minutes from where I live. And so, I honestly just, I got his number through the contacts we have, reached out, and said, "Have you thought of doing a book?" And you know, he's turned 70. Obviously, there's a no shortage of books on those Steelers dynasties, but sure. he'd never done his sort of first-person autobiography. And he did a, that, a football life on NFL Films about a year and a half, two years ago. Right. He really liked it, got a great reception, kind of got him in the mindset of maybe it's time I kind of tell my story. So he was obviously open to it. We had lunch a bunch of times, really hit it off. And from there, he agreed to do the book, which is, you know, a big deal. Then you're like, right. okay, so we're going to become best friends for the next, like, eight months and spend, <laughs> you know, like, I used to calling it uh, – it was Tuesdays with Maury, but I, I, uh, because it was Tuesdays, it was Tuesdays with me and Joe. Every Tuesday from like <laughs> three to five, I would drive over to his house. We'd drink some, you know, drink some ice, iced tea or whatever and just talk about sure. his life. And, you know, it ends up being more of a conversation. I'm not just hitting him with questions the whole time. And so that came out, yeah, April 3rd. Uh, it's been the number one new release in, in football on Amazon since it came out. We had a lot of pre-orders. And it's, an, it's just an awesome, awesome book. And he, he's such a phenomenal, nice guy that it was like just a, it was a pleasure. I mean, and I've, he's been doing, you know, the regular media, you know, from Fox Sports to he was on the Damashek program on uh, you know, NFL Network all the way to he was with John Clayton's podcast on, you know, NBC Sports Radio. And it's just it, it's great to see. And I guess it certainly is called Pride of Authorship, but watching people reconnect with Joe and just listening to him do podcasts and radio shows talking about their favorite game of him or their dad's favorite player was Mean Joe. And, and it's very gratifying to see people be able to kind of touch back, back in touch with him uh, just from a book that we worked on. That's, that's really cool. That's cool. And the cool that he's not a mean guy. Oh, right. Nice. No. Like, and he, he says, like, you know, look, he, he earned that nickname when he played. Right, right. But he has a great line early, early in the book that he says, you know, if I could have played football like I did on Sundays with the Steelers, and then the second I left the stadium – I was, uh, you know, five seven, hundred thirty five pound guy who would just disappear in the crowd, and no one would bother with, and then become me again on the field. He would. He's a humble, quiet guy off the field, but on the field, he was obviously just a monster. Yeah, sure. monster. Just a real big monster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's huge. I mean, he's still huge. He, yeah. he, he looks good. He sounds good. He, he's physically, you know, still still pretty fit. You know, huge hand. You just look at him, and just a, just a massive guy still. So you can imagine, you know, in his prime. What he was doing with pads people. and a helmet, pads, yeah. helmet, especially how they played back then, <laughs> yeah. uh, and his just ferocity to win, and it was all about winning. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't envy the guys I had to go against. Them. That no, that Steelers team during that era was like, I believe, one of the first like homegrown teams. Mm -hmm. They didn't, you know, go outside in free agency. That was all through the draft and, and develop yep. players with their own Steelers team. So. Yeah. So Green, uh, Jack Lambert, uh, Ham, Bradshaw, yeah. yeah, those are all guys that were came up through the Steelers system. And I'm only 36. And why I know that is just beyond me. But well, <laughs> what people don't realize, and what he it was one of the reasons he and I bonded was because you know we first started talking. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Boston, a Patriots fan, whatever. Everybody can hate on that. But when I was growing up, a Patriots fan, they were terrible. My sure. dad had you know three and four game packs, and we'd go. They were two and fourteen. They were three and thirteen. They'd go through Hugh Millen and all these bums as quarterback. They they were awful. <laughs> and Hugh so yeah, Millen. I'm enjoying the hell out of them being good right now. And when I was talking to Joe about that, he said, you know, no one ever remembers that when he got drafted, his rookie year they were one and thirteen. Yeah. They were the laughing stock of the NFL. That's why they had the number three pick. Nobody sure. was good. Nobody wanted to play there. It was 
in the height of the steel production in Pittsburgh. So it was gloomy skies. It was freezing. They had an old stadium. Nobody wanted to be there. Chuck Noll had just gotten there. And so having that resurrection is the thing. He's like, yeah, we always talk about how great we were. Um, and everybody wants to reconnect with that. But he remembers, and he was the first guy drafted, as you mentioned, um, who was the really he bookended the whole thing. Right, right. He sure did. All right, man, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can we get an autographed copy of this book to give away? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of book horn around here, a little book pimping and trying to get this thing out to you guys. <laughs> yeah, do it. Uh, let's come up with a way to give it away. Uh, man. What do you think, Paul? I don't know. They got a... I was gonna say they could read. They can't read the podcast, yeah, you know, they like connect with the book. But um, they got a. I don't know, man. You're the one. You're the contest guy, right. man. You uh, really are. Let's do this. Okay. Um, do you remember the lot number you worked on at at Comedy Central? The lot number. Do you remember the lot oh, number? Oh man, no, I don't remember the lot number. Okay, how about this? Who, who? Here's a good one. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so there is. Footage. People have found it randomly gets sent to me, still online, of my background appearance as strip club patron number two. Okay. I believe the uh, the, the actual video was called like strip club etiquette or strip club do's and don'ts or something along those lines. And you can find it if you do it. If you get I, people send me a link randomly, I've never actually personally found it. Okay. If someone can find that and send it to you, okay, to say that they got it, and it's you know Jimmy, it's Adam, it's Man Show. I have no idea, but I randomly will just be like, uh, you know, someone will get it and see it and send it to me. Um, that might be a little work. Okay. But yeah, you make earn, it work you for earn it. it. That's you get okay. a free book. And I got actually got a stack of uh, Mean Joe bookmarks that we've been giving away. Okay. I'll throw in, uh, you know, three or four bookmarks as well. All right, there, there you go. go. So Perfect. Done. Do that. Send me, send me the link. Uh, Eric, <laughs> yep. Eric N at Beckett.com. Uh, send me the link directly. Um, we'll say, first one to do it. Yeah, why not? It's safe for work. It's not something. It's, yeah. you know, it's there in. Yeah, yeah. It was on Comedy Central, so, so it's not right. anything you'd get in trouble with. All right, first one to send me the link at to my email address, uh, we will uh, arrange a, a copy of the book for you. And yep. I'm in the background. Uh, I don't know when at one point, but I'm wearing jeans, like a backward red Red Sox hat. Okay. I look like every college kid ever from. Look the like 90s. every college kid. Ever. <laughs> All right, man. That's uh, awesome. That's gonna do it for this segment. Can you stick around and do? Uh, Beckett Whatevs with us? Can you can you hang out for like? Yeah, sure. Like, all right, cool. Uh, guys, we'll be right back with Beckett Whatevs with John Finkel Einhorn. Finkel, Finkel. Einhorn. <laughs> hey guys, this is Lindsay Jones, the art director of Beckett Media, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break, and uh, we're gonna jump right into Beckett Whatevs. John Finkel sticking around with us for another segment and i'm very thankful for that thank you sir for making your time available to us today because absolutely it's not a it's not always an easy thing especially when you're new at a place and you know trying to get rolling and getting schedules and everything like that so uh thanks for sticking around so this is becky what else what we do here is we kind of just talk about whatever we want to talk about hence the name right so yep. uh movie sports uh there's a million things that we could uh jump into today because the the NHL playoffs started last night. They did. Uh, the NBA playoffs starts Saturday. right around the corner. Yeah, right around the corner. Yeah, Saturday. So uh, baseball season's on their way. Baseball. Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff is already happening in baseball. The Rangers apparently suck. Um, so they're, 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 they're yeah. <laughs> uh, was was his name Sam Dyson, the closer for the Rangers? Well, now ex. No, actually, yeah, yeah. Any for the AAA team now? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not looking good. But hey, let's start. Let's start with uh, let's start with hockey. You watch any hockey? 
I pretend to. You pretend I to? I watch. I, my standard answer is when the Bruins are in the playoffs, I watch them. And then they played last night and won. I didn't yeah. watch them. I, saw, I go to you know, Boston Globe every morning to see what's going on. I, you know, I, I grew up watching Andy Moog and the, 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 the really, you know, the, the Ray Bork era sure. of, uh, of Bruins when they were awesome. And then, really, honestly, kids, when you had to drop something, hockey right. was the first thing. I hockey was, was the first thing. Yeah. Uh, but I do enjoy it, and I will watch the Stanley Cup, and I will watch the Bruins. Once I get oddly it. enough, my, my youngest son is five months old. Uh, we sat down last night and watched the Bruins game oh, together. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Bruins were horrible in the second period. Yeah. Didn't get a shot off. Really? First time in the history of the Ottawa Centers that they had not did not allow a shot in a game. Oh, but the second the second period for the Bruins was bad. They didn't they wow. didn't even look at the like their coach was just yelling at them just like shoot it, just shoot it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> Do something. So uh but let's let's talk about hockey. Uh we had a great contest start yesterday on NHL.com for uh, Beckett Radio. It's a bracket challenge. I hope you guys got in. We have three prizes to give away for that. Uh, the first prize is a Patrick Laney Young Gun BGS 9-5 uh, going to the first place winner there. That is a sick card. That is a very, very nice card. Uh, it's got, I think it's got a 10 on it and two 9-5s and a 9. I think so. So, I mean, there's ability to bump there if you wanted to. Um, you pulled you pulled the second prize card. Uh, it's a Charlie that Charlie Lindgren uh, red prism from out of fifty. Yeah, out of fifty. Out of fifty. You can't go wrong with a Montreal Canadian autograph. Like when it comes to hockey, right? You just nope, can't do it. So not at all. You can't do that. And then uh, that's a BGS nine five. And third prize is a Matthew B- Bat. I'm just, Matt, Matthew from the Islanders. Uh, he's <laughs> he's, <Matthew>. a, <laughs> he's a that's a BGS ten. It's also a rookie auto. So. First, second, and third prize there. I hope you guys got signed up for it. I had guys trying to uh, get at me on Twitter last night because they couldn't. The link wasn't working. We're like, well, the game started at, at, at five, so I can't do anything can't for do you. Anything you're, you're, you're done. So uh, I'm. I predicted. I predicted your Washington Capitals to win the whole thing, and I think I went chalk with with, with most of it. But I'm going to ask you, and I know what you're going to say, but Paul, choice uh, to to win. The thing is, man, every year, the Caps, man, they they have, like, the best record. They go through this whole thing. They blow through the first one or two series. And then they just decide that, oh, we're done playing for the year. Yeah. And they just go out. and Just heartbreak, man. The heartbreak in D.C. is awful when it comes to the Capitals. <laughs> it really is. But you know what? Things are different this year. I really think that they're different. I think that they got it all together. I think they're going to take it. Holtby and Net is – just amazing. It's ridiculous. It's like putting you and me in front of the net and sitting yeah, here trying to score. Try to, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I mean, the guy's on fire, you know. And I, I want to see Ovi get one. I mean, I let's be see honest. Ovi, yeah. I mean, he's one of the greatest things on on ice right now. So let's let's get him a, a little uh, Stanley Cup. This is uh, season forty one for the Capitals. Is it forty one or forty two? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's about time. It's about time. It is uh, about time. Now, uh, being a Boston guy, John, are you gonna are you gonna say you want you want the the Bruins to come through? Yeah, I'll say I want the Bruins. I don't have any, you know. Again, I probably caught pieces of maybe a half a dozen games sure. this year. So every year, I, I always wanted to get into it, and uh, that's for sure. Who I root for? I don't have enough general hockey scope to kind of pick anything else at this point. Sure. Uh, so I always go with them, but I do end up getting into it, and I end up every year get sucked in if they, especially if they go far, get a cast right. first round a little bit. What what I miss about living in uh, Seattle was the. The CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Center, 
Anyways, it was great. Don Cherry. Don Cherry. Don yeah. Cherry was amazing. Was and what, what I love about living here now is NBC has done the right thing, and, and you know they carry Don games that Don Cherry is right. is uh, uh, hosting. So that's always fun to see. He's he's an amazing uh, piece of hockey history. So oh, yeah. anytime anytime you can get Don Cherry on, I'm I'm, I'm pro that. All right, so let's talk. Let's, let's switch it over to uh, NBA talk. Uh, Playoffs haven't started yet, but all the matchups are there. I don't. I think it's chalk in the East, and uh, you know the West is. Well, I like that. So you think the Celtics getting the number one seed is going to run right through and get to the final? I think, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I really do. I think it's chalk in the. I just LeBron and the Cavs are tired. They look tired and they look old. And all right, um, I love it. I think you know they'll probably get through the Pacers, but uh, I I really. I really think Boston's just going to run through it. Yeah, they got a tough road. You know, the the first series against the Bulls is you know I don't you know people keep trying to say the you know Ray Rondo's revenge. Sure. Yeah. They, you know they do match up okay. Jimmy Butler's tough and Navy Bradley on Dwayne Wade. But you know, I think we sh- we should win that series in six games. Um, and then you know Washington's pretty good. Toronto matches up well. It's not going to be any kind of cakewalk at all. Whoever we end up playing in the next round. Especially Washington, just the, the two guards like that. I mean, we have, Isaiah's always a little bit as amazing as he is, a slight mismatch. And, and I'll put Avery Bradley on anyone in the league, so I'm not worried about sure. that. Right. Um, you got, you know, a couple other mismatches. So if they can somehow get to the Eastern Conference Finals and, and they can play a matchup against a tired Cleveland team, I do I do like it, especially with Jalen Brown starting to play. He's he's an X factor now for them. But other sure. teams don't really know. He is know. a beast. He's a beast. And people don't know what to do with him because he, can, he has a beautiful three-point shot, which yep. doesn't really shoot a lot. He slashes. He plays off Isaiah great. So if Isaiah gets hot, which is like nightly, right. then you got to pretty much you, play, you start playing on him and you're yep. leaving maybe one of the top five most athletic young guys in the league open for almost anything he wants to do. Right. Kickouts to you know some of the guys they have. Avery Bradley can, can still ball and Jay yep. Crowd. They got a good team. I would like – if they can get to the final – get to the Eastern Conference Finals against them, I would like to see it. After that, you know, I don't want to go crazy with what they could do against whoever comes out of the yeah. West. Right, right. The West is the whole other beast, right? That, uh, I, do you want to say it's shock in the West and it's going to be, you know, San Antonio and, and Golden State in the finals or, you know, the Western Conference finals? Or, I mean, the first the first series in the West is, is it's all doo-doo, right? Yeah. Except for uh, Houston and yeah. Oklahoma. But, but even that, that's yeah. exciting, but it – Houston's going to win that series. Yeah, yeah. you think so? Like, yeah. like yeah. hands down. I, I mean, it's nice to see a Harden-Westbrook it's matchup great. in the first yeah. thing. But Houston's going to awesome. win that. Let's be honest. I mean, Houston's going to win maybe in five or something. Yeah. Probably. I, I, th- I don't think that that um, – through a long series like that, I don't think the matchup is favorable for Oklahoma City at all. Isn't it crazy that the one seed, what, in three and five, six, those three guys leading those teams essentially were all together like yeah. four years ago? Yeah, now. that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's yeah, crazy. That's kind of absolutely funny. crazy. So let's let's make way too early predictions for the finals, all right? Uh, because we, we did this with baseball last year, and actually I was right. You were right. I was like how I got that right was, was beyond me. I don't know. But, uh, so what are your way too early predictions for the My finals? My way too early predictions? Yeah. I'm going to go – what we just do, one of each in the winner? Yeah. Okay, so I would go with – I like the Celtics. I like I like Isaiah to, to take them over the LeBron. And then um, I like the uh, – I like the Warriors. The Warriors? Wow. Yeah, I like so, the Warriors. So you're going Boston, Golden State. Boston, Golden State. Who's your, who's your champion? Golden State wins it. Okay. All right, John, what about you? Way too early prediction. I mean, I'm not picking – nothing <laughs> – not, not stretching at all. <laughs> yeah, there, I can't – I can't be even remotely, you know, subjective about this. That's okay. Or, so, uh, or objective about. It. I'm going to say Celtics okay. come out of the East. 
I really do think that in the end, Golden State will – it'd be crazy if they didn't. I mean, maybe San Antonio possibly, but I'm going to say the same thing. Celtics, Golden State, and I'm going to flip it and say Celtics and six. There you go. I'm going Celtics Spurs. And you, you Spurs, man. I'm, it's all about the Spurs look, for you. Look, Kawhi is going to establish himself as a legitimate MVP and candidate. Oh, wait, he's already done that. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Ka- uh, Kawhi right. is going to bring Pop one more ring. All right, and the All pops right. gonna ride off into whatever sunset in San Antonio they have there. <laughs> Go get him a shot of tequila and just be done. And maybe do an interview where he says more than three words. <sighs> I don't think that's ever gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Pop is ever gonna say more than. There's your next book. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually I interviewed him for a different book that oh, I did. Oh, did you? Oh, okay, he was, okay. Uh, he was awesome. Was, was he awesome? Really? No. Yeah, I did this book with uh, a guy Chad Hennings, who was a sure for the Cowboys won three Super Bowls, and he was an Air Force fighter pilot before that. Right. And uh, part of the book, each we did a chapter on different guys about character, and he, you know, because of the military, he knew and been in circles and done some speaking with Popovich. So. I got like a three-hour phone interview with Pop. It was a while, a couple of years ago, and he was. I mean, they talked for most of it because what am I going to say? Right. But, uh, <laughs> but it was awesome. He was hilarious, man. He was really? a funny, really? funny guy, and yeah, it was great. That's the, cool. The not not last night because the season ended last night. But the game before the last, uh, I guess it was. What what was Monday night? Monday night. Pop was Pop was playing the Spurs. The Spurs. I'm sorry. The Spurs and Pop were playing uh, the Trailblazers. And Noah Noah Vanoy Vanoy whatever his name is uh-huh. like, hit a buzzer beater right? right and Pop just laughed it off he's like you sons of bitches <laughs> 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 he, just, he just laughed it off yeah. and then he said no one's sitting for the final game everybody's playing oh wow so, uh, that's that's the kind of coach Pop is I'm I'm picking uh, Spurs Celtics Spurs and six we, all three have the Celtics now now wow. I'm nervous now no, you're nervous now I feel like it's no, not no Cavs no, no, I love my Wizards but man I just I'm being realist on that one. Yeah. So they don't they don't quite have enough yet. I understand that. I understand. Good that. squad yeah. though. Good, Good squad. squad. Yeah, I know that they they scare me if we end up playing you guys. Yeah. So uh, before we get out of here, what's happening this weekend? What are, what are you doing, John? What are you doing this weekend? Um, this weekend I got the uh, four year olds uh, t ball game, which is okay. uh, the most athletic event of the of the weekend. <laughs> oh, for right. sure. And, uh, Sunday night Celtics series starts up. All right, there you there go. You. What do you What do you got, man? Good. I got uh, little league Friday night and another birthday party. I think on Saturday. Oh, to dad go purgatory. To. Yeah, yeah, dad, dad purgatory. purgatory. So swim lessons, of course, <laughs> of course before the t ball. Oh, oh gosh. Gosh. There, you go. there you go. Very <laughs> nice. And then uh, uh, we got Easter this weekend. Easter, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Easter, Easter this weekend. weekend. Uh, so guys, enjoy your Easter. Uh, egg hunting? Are you you're into egg hunting? Yeah, we'll go Saturday night. They have a thing at church. Saturday, like my Saturday night, we're going. They have fifty thousand eggs or something crazy. You go like to that. a big church though. Man. I do. Yeah, you go to a I big do. church. So, what about you guys? You guys egg hunt? We actually did it on uh, the neighborhood. Had a huge one on okay. last Sunday. So we we just did all. Did all okay, yeah, so we're sweet. We're good on the candy. You're good on candy. candy. Yeah, you're yeah. good. Like, That's good. This so my my son uh, my my wife goes to mops group right. Mothers of preschoolers. So she took my son out of school yesterday to go to this egg hunt that they had. And, like, he was strategizing egg hunting plans. Nice. (laughs) But uh, so the thing was no one told him that he could only get as many eggs as the family brought. Uh, So uh, we brought brought a dozen or something. So he could only – yeah. Well, he was – Upset. (laughs) 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 He did not have enough eggs. and uh, But that's okay because, you know, he's got, like, Six loose teeth right now, like they're all on the verge of about oh, to fall Yeah, there you go. One, one shot deal. So we didn't want him to have a bunch of candy either, you know. But uh, we're we're doing the egg hunting thing, and then you know I, I brought that up just to bring the weekend plans up. 
uh, Fast and Furious yes. 8 comes oh, out yep. on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So uh, can't wait, man. You're going to go check it out? I know I don't watch many. I, know I watch that movie. I'll watch yeah. that movie, though. Yeah. That's yeah. your thing. For so for someone, whatever reason, yep. you like the guy that sounds like he gurgles glass before he comes on screen each time. Hey, whatever so, works. That's cool. That's all right. So you're going to go check that out, maybe? I am. All right. Awesome. I'm not. Uh, I will. Yeah, I'll go see it. <laughs> I'll go. I probably won't go this weekend, but that's probably next weekend. Too, so we'll, we'll probably try to yeah. get it up. Yeah. yeah. Where do you, you, you live in Southlake, yeah. right? So that's the Harkin theater yes yeah they have the most genius invention of all time which is a child care center in the movie theater sweet jesus let me talk so about that. i never had seen that or heard it before i have a four-year-old and a six-year-old yeah it was all babysitters and it's expensive and it's always a pain but all of a sudden it's like we can just go to the movies and it's a two-hour drop-off and they they get popcorn and watch movies that were just out of the theater like a few months ago so they're not plugging you know paying for us to pl- plug them but I'm telling you, it's the greatest idea I've ever seen in my life. That is man. Ingenious. I know. I can actually blew my mind. I'll I, try to figure out if I could, how far it is to drive to South Lake to go <laughs> to the movie. We went to the theater. <laughs> we went to the theater, and I was like, "What's that room?" And she's like, "Oh, we have a child care center. You know, it's two hours or whatever your movie is, and the kids come and they play, and you can popcorn, and you can go see your movie, and you pick them up on the way out." And I was like, "You guys just blew my mind." That's the greatest like, thing I've ever I'm seen. I'm gonna go on a date with my wife now. It yeah, actually seriously. happen. And you just call up as long as you call them, they have a spot. You're good. You don't have to okay. Sweet. Sweet. Yes. Exactly. That is the best new guys. Go check out your heart and theaters. <laughs> yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I agree. I hope that happens for you. All right, man. Uh, we're gonna get out of here, uh, dude. John, don't be a stranger, man. It's I, I, you're a total and complete asset, and that you're down the hall. And yeah, anytime. So, so don't be a stranger, uh, Paul. Until next week, just keep listening. Cue the Drake. <laughs>